When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to Inside Mizzou Athletics, presented by Shelter Insurance. Find an agent for your auto, home, and life at shelterinsurance.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Kelly. With Matt Michaels, I'm Mike Kelly. Welcome to the Inside Mizzou Athletics podcast brought to you by our friends at Shelter Insurance. Ask a shelter agent about how now Shelter's auto policy includes roadside assistance. Learn more at shelterinsurance.com. We're your shield. We're your shelter. Missouri's scheduled to play a football game coming up this weekend, but it's not going to be against the Vanderbilt Commodores. It's not going to be against the Florida Gators. Third time is a charm. Looks like it's going to be against the Kentucky Wildcats, Mr. Michaels. Yeah, why not? You know, do we have anything else to pull out of the grab bag? I feel like it's a bag of Scrabble tiles. You know, you pull it out there so you can't see it. Uh, I guess it makes the most sense to the folks in Birmingham who probably have a giant spreadsheet ready with all of the possibilities, but uh, let it be Kentucky. Why not? Grateful. Remember that word? Mm-hmm. Grateful. Grateful to get an opportunity. Of course, uh, you know, the initial schedule was to play Vanderbilt. That got uh, postponed. Uh, then it looked like it was going to be on to the Florida Gators. That got transferred around. And so now the Kentucky Wildcats, who are playing really, really well, uh, want to spend some time talking about what Mark Stoops has done. And I know Chris and I have talked about this literally over the last probably five years on every broadcast. They've won the last five against Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you just look and see what what Coach Stoops have done has done in terms of of building that program. And you know, you go back. Let's go back a couple of years ago. In 2018, they go to Florida and they win in Gainesville, 27 to 16. It was the first time in 31 years that Bob Stoops' team or Pop Stoops, Mark Stoops' team was able to win in Gainesville. Then this past Saturday, they just absolutely dominated Tennessee. They win 34 to seven. They snap a 17-game losing streak in Knoxville. 
And the reason why I mentioned those two games is that, you know, part of establishing a program is being able to really knock down doors, cross hurdles. We saw Gary Pinkle do that, right, mm-hmm. during his 17-year career. We're seeing Mark Stoops and his team at Kentucky doing this time and time again. It's pretty impressive what they're developing down there. Well, I think maybe for, for people who are longtime SEC followers and Mizzou fans might not or might go in that category, Kentucky has had problems with sustenance. They've had problems sustaining the year or two run. Mm-hmm. Well, Mark Stoops has sustained what's going on in Lexington right now, and they have an identity. I think it was on display against Tennessee this past weekend where they will use their defense to frustrate you and to turn you over and go ahead take the ball, score it the other way, be efficient on those opportunities. Uh, I I think the last two weeks show that Kentucky still has that DNA, and now Missouri's challenge will be you know what they present. You understand what it should look like. Can you take it and turn it around against them and out-efficient, in a way, the Wildcats? Because I feel like that's the way Kentucky tries to win ballgames. Nine and nine are nine interceptions in the last two games. Nine interceptions in the last two games. They hold Mike Stoops, or they hold uh, Mike Leach without a uh, without a touchdown. I think it's the first time since he's he's been a Power 5 head coach that mm-hmm. his teams have been held without a touchdown. Um, then they had the, the three, two pick sixes and a third interception in three consecutive possessions against Tennessee this past weekend. And, you know, you, you look at, you look at Mark Stoops, he's 46 and 46 now as the Kentucky head coach in his eighth season. He's 18 and 18 over the course of his last 36 SEC games. Now, let's go back a little bit. Do you remember the coach Blanton Collier at Kentucky? Sure you do. He coached from 54 <laughs> to 1961. He's the last Kentucky head coach to post a winning record at UK. Bear Bryant from 1946 to 53. He's the last coach at Kentucky to post a winning SEC record. So the longtime Kentucky fan certainly appreciates what what he's doing and what he's done. You know, he's an Ohio native. He's gone and he's recruited, you know, interior, tough, rugged offensive linemen from the state of Ohio. He's been able to get defensive players from the state of Florida. You know, big, rugged guys mm-hmm. that can run. And you know what they do on both sides of the football? And this is what they're going to do on Saturday. They challenge your manhood on both sides of the ball. You know, not a flashy offense, but an offense that that will run a lot of different zone-type plays. You know, they're they're averaging just over 206 yards on the ground per game right now, only giving up 100 on the ground. So uh, it's a good football team. Mm -hmm. It's a good football team that could be, you know, they could be 4-0. You know, they're, they're, they're two and two. They've won their last two. And so it's a, it's a fascinating matchup. Well, I, I know at the end of game number one against Auburn, they were steaming because at the end of that first half, there were all types of craziness where Kentucky looked like they made it across the goal line for a touchdown. Yeah. It didn't happen. And then Auburn went for what looked like a pick six the other way. And then a block in the back took it back. And everybody was upset at halftime of that first game of the season. And Kentucky should have another win because they doinked an extra point in an overtime against Ole Miss. And, And think of it this way, too. We saw Ole Miss and we saw all the credit given Arkansas's way for the way they handled the Ole Miss offense this past weekend. I mean, Kentucky was able to hang with that offense in that game in terms of getting its own points, which I think maybe even is a little bit more dangerous because if they found their defensive side the last couple of weeks, 
if they have that offense that they had against Ole Miss, it's going to be a challenge for anybody to play a complete game against the Wildcats. We're going to talk more about the league in just a second, but you know, uh, you know, Missouri coming off of a uh, off of an unexpected week off. Uh, I thought it was an important week anyway from a coaching standpoint just to, to be able to come down off the highs of the LSU game and then get get ready to play a Vanderbilt team. But, you know, now can, can, you, can you get everything done that you need to get done? Can you refocus and, 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 and use that practice time the right way? No, no reason to think that, that, that they wouldn't, weren't able to do that. Um, and then you think a little bit about, you know, who's going to be back? You know, and we don't know. We, we, we don't know yet who, who's going to be back. We think that a couple of receivers are going to be back. Don't think that Kobe Whitesides is going to be back. Don't think that Darius Robinson's going to be back. But, um, you know, can you get some skill position players back that had to miss the game the other day? Mm-hmm. And, and if you get them back and they have a good week of practice and you see them mix in with some of the receivers we saw step up against LSU, I think that gives you – depth where maybe you were searching for it at the wide receiver position Uh, not to say that you know the likes of boo smith and toski dove and others were not capable but they got their opportunity and they ran with it most of it so so damon hazelton kiki chisholm all right add to that make it a competition in that room and see just how far you can take it because right now i I don't know how you feel about it mike but i feel missouri's strength is with connor basilak and accuracy down the field and wide receivers just need to make a catch and then one move, make a play, and all of a sudden you've got a quick strike offense brewing in Columbia, Missouri. Well, and the offensive line has done, I think, a better job than, than, than most of us anticipated, given the fact that you had really three new starters on there, uh, you know, with Maietti at center. And then, of course, the left side's been somewhat of a, of a question mark going into the season. Delgado took over at left guard. He's been the guy. And then Zeke Powell came in. You know, after spending the night in the hospital before the LSU game, mm. came in and, and, and played in the second half and, and was, was, was really, really good. Um, and, and I know competition, back to your point about the wide receivers, I, I, I completely respect what, what Eli Drinkwitz says about every day that's our number one core mission is to come out and compete. Um, and I get that. Uh, but I think production also is factored in. And, and you look at the productivity in just one game, of a Boo Smith, of a Towski Dove, um, you know, of others that, that stepped up when they had an opportunity. And, and, and I think you, if anything, it adds to the depth. It mm-hmm. adds to the depth of what you've got at, at wide receivers. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's a game that I don't think I, – I haven't looked at a line. I don't usually look at a line. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if Missouri's favorite at home. Uh, n- no, they're not. I, I think an early line I saw was Kentucky favored by almost a touchdown. Yeah. Which, yeah. which strikes me, honestly, as a little bit of a surprise the way Missouri played in its last game. But See, you know, it, it, we, we all remember the yeah. last thing we saw, right? And yeah. we just saw Kentucky well, and, and, win and a I, game. And, and, and it doesn't surprise me, even though the win against LSU, because Kentucky, I think you could, because of the way the defense is playing, could be considered one of the hottest teams in the league. And you look at the series, Missouri won the first three games in the series uh, when joining the SEC in 12, 13, and 14. Missouri hasn't beaten Kentucky since 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, And so you know, that, that's, that's why I think uh, I would understand you know, that spread if indeed that's what it is. Yeah, and, you know, those things always change based upon – the whims of certain people who are outside our pay grade or our area of expertise. Uh, all right, let's go around the league a little bit. Um, and I want right, to let's begin with with Barry Odom. I mean, uh, what what they have done from a defensive standpoint, 
over the course of the last few weeks at Arkansas has truly been very, very impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Mississippi State lights up LSU. What does Barry Odom do? Sits back, plays a lot of his own, keeps everything in front of him, and they end up beating, uh, beating the Pirate. Uh, and then, you know, last week what they did against the Lane Train, um, and, and someone showed it to me, the, uh, the trolling of the Lane Train by uh, was pretty the Arkansas great, wasn't Athletic it? Department with uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. Somebody needs a raise. That was, <laughs> and for a guy that's not on social media, I, I thought that was... I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, you, all you all you need is the right clip and a little mask, yeah. and all of a sudden away you go. But you know, give give Barry Odom credit. You know, we know he's a really really good defensive coordinator, and what he's done with this group has been has been impressive, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. You know, I would just digging into some of the numbers for Arkansas to see exactly where it rates, and it has to be up there in the top twenty. Maybe the raw numbers don't get you all the way there, but. I'm really impressed with the way that that team that was, you know, they were, you know, scholarship player problems there. I mean, they got numbers that they have to deal with and the types of players that were playing at the end of last season are the same players playing this season, and they're going out there and competing in the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, on the defensive side. On offense, though, you got a difference, too. You know, mm-hmm. you got a guy that in Felipe Franks that, uh, you know, has got a lot of experience playing it and, and, and seems to have adapted really well with those around him and, and is playing – playing very well and he's got guys that are making plays for him too you know Felipe Franks I I always feel like his game is well suited to to a more conservative style of play and I don't say that as a knock I think he can manage you to victories if you have a strong defense and that's what Arkansas seems to have right now and he's going to go out there and make some plays don't get me wrong but he is the right fit for a team from the experience standpoint. Why would you think like I was taking about. it the wrong way? Well, no. I, I was just sitting here listening. No, I, I think that he has, he has a lot of potential to win you a game, and he has a lot of potential to not be able to get you back from behind. And so you got to have a strong defense, I feel like, with that style of quarterback. It's not a knock to Felipe Franks. I think that's his game. Okay, so let's, uh, let's continue as we, we kind of go around the league a little bit. Uh, Tennessee. Uh, as we said, get spanked at home. Um, Jared Garantano, not a good day for a guy who has got as much experience as he's got. Some of the throws he made, it's like, again, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Monday morning, it's announced that they fired in his first year, four games into the season, their defensive line coach. Panic? Panic in Knoxville? I mean, it has to be, right? I- isn't that the definition? Of all the things that have happened this year, Unless there is something inside that program that we do not know and we cannot see that is structurally wrong, why are you making that move now? What sense does it make? It, it, it boggles the mind. Yeah, it's a results-driven business, but what have we said from the beginning? Be flexible. You know, be flexible. If, if there's something that was such a problem, why didn't it happen last week or the week before? Mm-hmm. Did it just happen because you lost the game the way you did at home and people demand satisfaction? I, I don't know that that's the case. I just know it's extremely curious to be doing it right now. It, it feels like panic. One of the uh, one of the columnists in Knoxville uh, used the E-word, said it's not talent, it's effort, and that's worse. If it is... It's kind of an indictment four games in. Yeah, if it is, that's a problem. And And it's weird. I feel like Tennessee's trajectory Mike has been very odd because right when they're getting a big win or two or stringing some wins together it's well we all know the Tennessee is right there on the cusp 
right? It, and we do know that. We've been talking about it here on the podcast. And yet, when that happens, you have to fight against things like complacency. You have to fight against things maybe like energy and effort. And I don't know what's going on in that locker room, but if it's being observed by folks on the ground there on Rocky Top, people are going to start asking those questions, and then do those questions swing to the other extreme at some point? I, I think Tennessee's so anxious for a winner, and sometimes you can get so anxious for a winner that it gets in the way of what's really valuable, which is sticking to the plan and building a program. Uh, you saw the game on Saturday night, I take it. I, I watched a little, yeah. Uh, thoughts on what you saw from the Crimson Tide? I think that uh, I think Alabama can do that whenever it needs to. You know, it, it's weird because I think they can play a lot better defensively than what they've played through to this point in the season. And and, and yeah. blanking Georgia in the second half. And, and two big interceptions, uh, certainly huge. Uh, but but I still think that that's, that's a team that, that has even more to give from a defensive standpoint, um, which is going to make them all the more dangerous because of the – I mean, you had two receivers that were both at over 160 yards receiving. Mm-hmm. Najee Harris was over 100 yards rushing. Uh, you know, Mac Jones was terrific throwing the football. It just – it's it, it, it when they needed – Going in at the locker room at the half down, and when they needed to come out and make plays, it was it was a totally dominant second half. Well, I, I think that's a sign of maturity, right? Yeah, you I know agree. they they had a week, and and whether you want to say that it made a big deal or not, they had a week and a, finished the week of preparation without their head coach Nick Saban, right? Even if he was virtually on the sideline one way or the other, he was in quarantine and then negative test, negative test. All right, he's able to be on the sideline on Saturday night for the big game, but. That team didn't really flinch from that. And if they did, if Georgia's best shot was in the first half and they flinched, well, then you see Alabama come out, and like you said, a couple of picks. You get a 90-yard touchdown, (laughs) which it feels like only Alabama and maybe a handful of teams can pull out of their hat whenever they need to. It takes a very, very good team to give 60 minutes against Alabama to have a chance to win the game. It just is how they've been for so long, and... All you can do is tip your cap at this point until somebody comes up and says, we can beat it. Well, and you wonder, too, like from Georgia's perspective, now do the, do, where are they with Stetson Bennett quarterback? You know, are they now going to reevaluate, you know, his position? Do they, do they bring in the, 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 the USC transfer Daniels? Um, those are all things that are being talked about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got playmakers. I mean, we, we, we know that about Georgia. They've, they've got an offensive line that, that I think is very good. Um, you know, and they can run the football. I just, I, I thought that they, I thought they needed to run the ball more on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly when when Alabama started getting a little bit more momentum. Uh, it just seems like they still wanted to throw quite a bit. Yeah. Well, I think this is probably the the modern college football quandary of our time because you've seen it happen as the you game has evolved. Quandary on me. Well, it well it is because. Quandary. Because everybody runs wide open, and you see it in the NFL sometimes, too. Everybody wants to run wide open, and everybody wants to be multiple, right? But sometimes the best thing you can do is say, we're stronger than you, we want it more than you, and let's get four yards in a cloud of dust and do it again, and do it again. And there are certainly teams that still play that way, but I think the bulk of teams at the highest of levels want to have this passing offense because you can score on the drop of a pin. And sometimes you have to go back to your roots a little bit, especially when you've got a little bit of momentum, a little bit of a lead. you got to milk that clock and make it tough for the other guy, make the other team execute in less time. 
And maybe Georgia did not do that the way they could have on Saturday night. I, I remember watching a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, and Hal Heflin, the former senator from the state of Alabama, said the following words, Mr. Chairman, we've got a quandary. <laughs> and that was, that was, I think that might have been my introduction to the word. And then I might have been the last time I heard it until just a couple moments ago. Yeah, but anyway, well, uh, yeah, quandary. Sometimes it just comes out of left field yeah. through one ear, through the mouth, and then out the other. What, uh, all right, what else stood out? Um, you know, it it stood out. How did, how did Florida do? I, I can't remember. You know, did they have ninety thousand in the swamp? Did it they? stood out that it was a league without two games. Wait, did they? Was there ninety in the swamp this weekend? Uh, ninety people, maybe. No, like ninety thousand. Oh Dan, no, I didn't you know? see them. I didn't see them. Tone no. deaf Dan. Did he win that ninety? Uh, karma's got a way of coming back and biting well, you there, Matt Michaels. It. it I, I tell you what. After I saw over the weekend that Dan Mullen said, "Yeah, I had a positive COVID nineteen test." Yeah. I wish I wish the best for Dan Mullen, I do but. Too. I mean, if you if you believe in karma, some people will say, "Yeah, all right, I guess so." It we'll we'll find out very quickly what that Florida team's made of, huh? Because we know that offense is very good. We know they have a lot of weapons. We also know that they're coming off defeat, and we know that they now have a different schedule than they had initially hoped for when it comes to their season. I look at Halloween night, and I think the witching hour could be besetting the Florida Gators if Missouri starts handling its business with consistency week in and week out. I think the SEC, East Mike, I think after Georgia loses to Alabama, it's still open. Georgia's the best team, but this is a reason why you play the games in 2020, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I agree. And, you know, the, the other thing that Georgia's going to point to now is, uh, or Georgia and Florida, is that they normally have a week off before the cocktail party. Mm-hmm. Tennessee, Tennessee's got third Saturday in October, so guess who they have this weekend? They've got the Crimson Tide. Um, you know, so I, I, I think you, you, that's that's a game that they won't win. I, I'd be shocked if, if Alabama were to lose that game. Um, South Carolina's playing better. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's the other thing that, that kind of stood out is, you know, look look at what's happening in Columbia, South Carolina. And they're doing it on both sides of the ball, too. Shai Smith might be one of the most, well, outside of the, the, the two kids from Alabama and Pitts, the tight end from Florida, is there a receiver that's having a better season than Shai Smith right now? Probably not. And he's got a world of talent uh that he can put to use if he has the ball in his hands. And maybe sometimes the struggle has been for South Carolina at times, get the ball in Shai Smith's hands. I want to go back to the box and just see how good it was. Um, 76 yards and a score, easy, on eight catches, so a volume guy too. They're going to look his way. The team that plays South Carolina has to think about Shai Smith, what, first, second, and third, right? Uh, Steve Sowers is uh, voraciously... uh trying to point out to us that that's the first win for South Carolina over Auburn since 1933. Hmm. Yeah. I, do, you, do you think Auburn's struggle right now is that they're good in a lot of areas but might not excel at one? Hmm. I wonder if that is a little bit of the case. And, know, and if they're going to be excellent, it might be with Bo Nix in the passing game if he gets it going. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I haven't seen enough of Auburn mm-hmm. to really make a, I think, a informed determination of what I think of them. Um, I do think, as you know, it's a fan base that, that has high expectations. Um, it, it's a fan base that, that, that has a little envy, you mm-hmm. know, it's kind of like Missouri 
basketball fans have got envy of Kansas, right? They just do. I mean, because of what what's happened over the years, Kansas owned the series. Kansas has won national championships in the sport of basketball, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. I, th- I think Auburn, you know, obviously – you know, he's got a little envy on what's taking place down in Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, so do they put unrealistic ex- expectations on a head coach? Probably. Um, you know, I, I think the rest of the year with Auburn is going to be interesting to watch just in terms of does Gus Malzahn become more and more of a focal point as the year goes on. And because it seems like every year, you yeah. know, he, he, about this time of year, it's, well, is he the right guy? Mm-hmm. You know, particularly among that Auburn fan base. Yeah. And and I, I don't know how long questions like that can be asked and be tenable. I mean, if you asked somebody about the stereotype of a Southeastern Conference program, you might look that direction when it comes to the, the coaching questions, because they always seem to be there for a, a man who has always had Auburn competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, there's never been a time when Auburn has not been considered one of the better teams in the Southeastern Conference, and yet all it takes is one slip-up, and then the question's still asked. Maybe those questions are surrounding the offense. Auburn total offense today, uh, 366.8 yards per game. You'd think, all right, that's not so bad. That's 10th in the SEC, Mike. And for Malzon, who came in as the offensive wonderkind, and unfortunately Missouri fans understand firsthand in 2013 just what the limits of that offense can do when they stretch it and they get it all the way rolling whenever that offense underwhelms I feel like Auburn fans start saying man this is the guy we have here to take us to new heights offensively and we and we struggle we hit our head against the ceiling or we see Alabama which is I think in the top five in the country in total offense right now it it all plays into one another and and you do ask questions about how long it's going to last down there on the plains because how can you how can you pull forward if the questions are there every year i don't know well the the other thing let's go back to south carolina just for a moment the other thing too that that you look at is is they've made a lot of staff changes you mm-hmm. know over the years and um mike bobo comes in as their as their offensive coordinator and Obviously, doing something right right now with 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 that offense, and um, you know he's got a playmaker, obviously in Smith, and as we've talked about, but um, you know that that's one of those hires that I'm not sure that you know coming back to the league, former head coach of Colorado State, I think people you know ah, he's back. I kind of gave it a ah, he's back, but mm-hmm. obviously he's done a pretty good job in a short amount of time. Yeah, and it's interesting too because I feel like at a lot of places. The coordinator position is, well, do you have experience in this league, right? Because everybody says the SEC is built different. And um, sometimes when you come back and you feel like, you know, a warm pair of of slippers or something, maybe people forget about it. Uh, Mike Bobo (laughs) made his name in the Southeastern Conference before he went out west and took that head coaching position. He he obviously knows a little bit something about the game. Uh, Folks in Fayetteville, Arkansas today are singing Barry Odom's praises. Why? Because he obviously knows how to coach defense. You know, these people are very, very good at their jobs. And the difficulty is finding a way to be very good at your job every single week, more than everybody else who's good at theirs. It's a tough, tough haul. Well, and sometimes if you give a guy a coach, I mean, there's some guys, there's some coaches that are made to be coordinators, Mm -hmm. not made to be head coaches necessarily. You know, there there are some, some 
coordinators that you just know are going to be destined to, to, to be a head coach because of their ability to manage things and, and promote their program and sell and things like that and be able to handle the full compass of what's expected of the head coach. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, for a guy like, like, like Coach Odom, who, you know, his singular focus each and every week is that defense, uh, it's a dangerous proposition for teams that Arkansas has to play because he can dial up a pretty good game plan week in, week out. Does Texas A&M feel it's back after outlasting the Pirate? You know, I'm just not sold on Texas A&M. And I know Jimbo Fisher's got a national championship. That's great. But uh, there's just something that seems more all fluff, no substance, you know, um, with, with, with that program. And... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put my finger on it, exactly what it is, but it just I, – I, I don't see them as a legitimate uh, power in mm-hmm. this league. Um, you know, they're – I mean, right now you look at the West, probably the second-best team in the West, I guess. So, so maybe you give them that right now. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, yeah, they upset Florida. I don't think they can beat Georgia. Um, you know, I don't think they beat Alabama. They had, they, they didn't beat Alabama. Um, so I don't know. I just, and maybe I'm being too harsh in, in, in my judgment, but there's something about, I don't know. You could have said all hat, no cattle, and then they'd really have the alarm bells going off in College <laughs> Station. That, that, that would send everybody in a tizzy. They wouldn't know how to react to that. Yeah, well, what about Texas? I mean, you know. I don't even want to talk about that. Back after this on the Inside Mizzou Athletics podcast presented by Shelter Insurance. Some of my fondest childhood memories are from volunteering with my grandmother. Helping others was her passion. She'd always say, the sweetest fruits of life come from serving others. And she was right. At Shelter Insurance, we strive to make a positive impact in the communities where we work and live. For your auto, home, and life, find an agent at shelterinsurance.com. We're your shield. We're your shelter. Matt and Mike back on the Inside Mizzou Athletics podcast presented by our friends at Shelter Insurance. Ask a shelter agent how Shelter's auto policy now includes roadside assistance. Learn more at shelterinsurance.com. We're your shield. We're your shelter. So when the schedule came out, and you, you saw that Missouri was going to play LSU and that they were going to play Alabama. I was not surprised. I mean, you know, looking mm-hmm. at what the guys in Birmingham were going to do does not surprise me whatsoever. That's, that's the cards that Missouri was dealt with. Now here we are several weeks into the season, and you look at the schedule and you say, you know, you got through those first three against nationally ranked teams, got an unexpected bye week, now you host Kentucky, good team, but but certainly not a game that you can't win if 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 you play well in in all areas of the game. Then you go to Florida, then you get your your bye week that you thought was going to happen. My, my point is, it, it's going to actually play out pretty well for Missouri in the long run, even after having to face LSU and Alabama. You know, I was thinking the same thing this morning. Is that scary that we were thinking the same thing? Uh, I don't know. Is that a mind meld or something? I mean, there's supposed to be a difference of opinion because that leads to argument and then, you know, the ratings go through the roof. But I think we were thinking the same thing because this extra bye week, you talked about this week being the most important for Missouri to come off of a high or if they were to lose the game against LSU to rebound off of a low. And they're on the high. And so now you get to bring the temperature down a little bit 
everybody gets to settle in and say, okay, we're at this spot right now where we have a big win. We cannot rest on it. Look at the team that's coming in next and look at the role they are on. We will have to redouble our efforts to be able to beat Kentucky. And then after that, we might have to do even more to beat Florida. But you know what? It can be done. I'm sure Eli Drinkwitz is thinking about this right now. How do I motivate my team going into game one and then game two? And a game two where I think, Mike, and you know, as long as we're speaking frankly, I think Florida has a hard time looking at Missouri in that game and saying, oh, yeah, we're 100% there for the Tigers. If, if they are, credit to Dan Mullen and credit to them. But they're looking at November the 7th. That's their bread and butter. That's the game that they're told every year you win this game, you get to go to Atlanta. Well, Missouri's in an opportunity now with that extra rest and that extra preparation where they might be able to do this two-step and find their way in the middle of that conversation. I think it broke down really well from that perspective for the Tigers, and now we just get to see what they do with it. There's, uh, there's a couple of numbers that, for me, just jump off the page when you look at Missouri right now particularly from a defensive standpoint is where I'm, where I'm kind of focused. So you're giving up more than 300 yards a game right now passing the football. But six sacks, mm-hmm. only six sacks in the first three games, no interceptions, and only one fumble recovery. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a defense that really has to start, you know, finding ways to get the football through takeaways and, and to set its offense up. Um, and, you know, splendid, phenomenal job by Ryan Walters and his staff on that last possession against Florida, particularly the last four plays of the game. But I think they too would also say, man, we got to come, we, we, we got to figure out a way to get takeaways because mm-hmm. it's just, it's just not enough. And you got to get more pressures on the quarterback and more sacks. I mean, this is the team that was last in the league a year ago. Um, in sacks, and uh, that that's something that just kind of – because I think as, as fans, rightfully or wrongfully, we have the expectation because of the litany of players that have come through this program before that you're going to have guys that are going to be able to put pressure on the quarterback and get sacks and things like that. And I think you're seeing a guy coming into his own in Trajan Jeffcoat, which is huge. Um, you know, and Trey Williams has got to follow suit and then, yeah, you know, go from there. I think that thematically and schematically, Missouri has done a little bit different this year to try to get more of that pressure. Because you see the rush linebacker position that Trey Williams occupies. That's one different look at it. Uh, I've seen a lot more stunting. I've seen trying to get guys loose inside the middle of the line to find a way. I think Isaiah McGuire, didn't he have a sack on a stunt in the center of the line he did. earlier this year? Yeah. Well, just in this last game against LSU. And here's right. a kid that, you know... 6'5", 280 pounds, and, and they're playing outside, but he, but he started inside, mm-hmm. you know, uh, this past game against, against uh, Louisiana State. Yeah. I, I think that where it comes from at this point doesn't much matter, but it has to come. Yeah. I agree with you. And, and you've had guys defensively, you go back yeah. to your point schematically, you've, you've had guys in the secondary that have been in a position to make plays. Mm-hmm. Got to make plays. Lock up the ball. You know? Yeah. And it's one thing to say, all right, I've got my man covered. And that's good. It means that you're keeping the offense in check. You're not allowing the big plays down the field. It then is another level to say, all right, that ball is mine. And when you can make those plays and make them with the proper level of aggression, you don't want to be too risky or over-aggressive, you change the game for your team and you give a margin of error to an offense that 
well, the last time we saw it play, performed pretty well with little margin for error, but that's no guarantee as you go through the rest of the season. And other SEC teams inevitably are going to turn you over. You'll make mistakes. If you can create them the other way, it, it only gives you more confidence going through the season that you're playing as a full football team. Three o'clock start this weekend, and uh, Missouri will entertain the Kentucky Wildcats at Farrell Field in Columbia. Basketball practice is underway. Mm-hmm. Uh, got underway last week. It's interesting, though. Basketball is underway, but no schedule yet. <laughs> they, they don't have a schedule. Yeah. I mean, that's... To, to, to show you the I, – I, maybe patience is the word to use, the proper word, the tactful word, uh, but it is interesting that we, we know the Kansas game is not going to happen. That's pushed back for a year. Um, you know, Kansas does not want to play it. Um, and it appears that the Bracken Rights game is not going to happen either, uh, which would be that first time in, in quite a while, mm-hmm. obviously, that that, that that hasn't taken place. Uh, but I think it just goes to show you the, just the – the processing, and we've used this word before, this phrase, processing of information, the amount of information um, that, you know, they're going through on each individual campus and in Birmingham and, and, and trying to come up with some kind of a schedule. Yeah, and uh, I think it's a real challenge. I, I feel like college basketball, Mike, has been very novel in the way they've tried to handle these things with these multi-team events that have been reported across the country mm-hmm. for non-conference just to get those non-con games in. And Conza Martin said on a media call last week that he thinks the Tigers will be in Orlando for one of those, but it's not locked down. So you have to wait until everything's official, the T's and the I's, and then you get into it and say, all right, here's our opponents, here's where we go. I'd expect it to be soon. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got about a month until Thanksgiving when, when this occurs, but I think the college basketball has done its best in light of an uncertain future. And even then, does the future become so uncertain at some point that that plan has to be scuttled? We hope not. I think that they've worked under a belief that, hey, we're going to need to be in one place at one time and and testing everybody for COVID and, and keeping a bunch of different stakeholders to the same standard to try to keep everybody as safe as possible. And, and that challenge with a winter that is certainly uncertain, according to the health experts, that adds an extra layer on top of it. So it doesn't surprise me that there's no schedule because how do you plan all those things at one time? It's never yeah. been done before. Well, if you start, and, and depending on what the schedule looks like, and, and who knows, and, and even moving forward, I'd, I'd, I'd make this suggestion that if you're all in the frame of mind that because of what has happened to budgets across the country because of COVID, right? The most, not P-H-Y, the most F-I-S, fiscally responsible thing to do moving forward with, I think, college football or college basketball in particular, and college football, if you get back to non-conference, keep it local. Play as many, you know, within driving distance teams as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, from a college football perspective, it's going to be interesting. If you start playing non-conference games, what happens to that buy number, which was ridiculous? Yeah. Had gotten to the point over million-dollar buys? I mean, ridiculous. Okay? So then, and, and you know, the, the, the six-figure deals or however many, what the, what's the size of the deals on the buy games and on basketball? Maybe instead of playing a Utah you know, on the road or, or somebody else on the road from a from a power five. Maybe you start playing an Illinois State or you play a Southern Illinois or you play a St. Louis University. Or, I, I don't know, but I think those are things that if you're being fiscally responsible, I think those are things you got to look at. I, I think they're things that are certainly being considered. And, and I, in both sports, men's and women's. Yeah, and uh, I feel like those are always – 
kind of considerations across the gamut of college athletics, but because, you know, men's and women's basketball and, and college football have a different financial landscape, it affords different opportunities. And who wouldn't want to give a student athlete well, that sort of opportunity do you, do you to play that sort of game? Have or had? Well, that's the question now, yeah. right? Like, if, if the answer is had, then you go back to your roots. And yeah. I, I think college basketball will take a look at that for sure, and for the upcoming season, college football at the highest of levels will have to take that look, right? Yeah. Because we know the impact of having no fans in the stands in terms of, oh, it's a bummer, or reduced capacities and all the rest. Good that there's an opportunity to do that safely, as far as we understand, at a few places that are allowing it, and Missouri's one of them. But what that means to your bottom line, I don't think is unearthed yet in the least. And well, that means you'll have to have changes. Well, the, the, the other figure, too, that, that is still I, certainly not published and certainly I think still a moving target is how much money a month are college football programs losing? Think about that. How much money a mo- because of the, the, the amount of testing that's taking place mm-hmm. on a consistent basis by rule to, to be able to have the opportunity to play? I mean, how much because of salaries? Uh, because of other operating expenses and limited schedule, limited fans that are able to come into the game, how much money is college football losing a month? And that's that's a number that I think it's going to be staggering if it's ever revealed. Mm-hmm. And it's not just here; I think it's across the board. Yeah, it's it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to change so quickly what your financial model or projection is for. A sport like big time college football. No, the one thing you do have, big time college football, you still got that TV check. Mm-hmm. So that helps quite a bit. But if you remove that and you look at that number, it's going to be significantly different. Yeah, yeah, it would be eye opening. So, got anything else you want to talk about today? Um, Come on, I give me something. You got well, something on your mind. Uh, well, I, I got to say Tampa Bay into the World Series. You're I was going to go right that. there with uh, Peter Fairbanks, by the way. Pete on the hill for the save. On the bump. In, the bump, the bump, the mound, the pitching plate. Don't they say that in Chicago? Oh, on the, the bump. Well, Johnny on the bump. Yeah. Well, Hawk likes to say the bump. Okay. I don't. I don't know what Hawk. He also talks about the can of corn, and I think people today don't understand what the whole can of corn is about. Can of corn is because once upon a time, you had the can of corn on the high shelf at the grocery store, and you had to ask the clerk to come with a stick, to go and they the would knock the off. can of corn, yeah. and you have to catch it like the can of corn. So. Um, but if Pete wins, it would be 2018 Ian Kinsler, Mizzou baseball product with the Boston Red Sox, World Series champion. 2019 Max Scherzer with the Washington Nationals, World Series champion. Could be Peter Fairbanks in 2020. Pretty you could cool. go back to 2016 with the Chicago Cubs and Rob Zestrisny, Mizzou product, has a ring there. So you could have four Mizzou baseball products in five years end up as world champions. I don't think that's too bad. So Tampa Bay wins a wins a cup mm-hmm. in the World Series, and Tom Brady and his group just handed the Green Bay Packers. And I love to say this to my neighbor Boyd French, the overrated Green Bay Packers, uh, <laughs> their first loss of the season. So, kind of happy times down in Tampa Bay. In Tampa and L.A., I mean, there's a chance that every Major oh yeah, yeah, champion. yeah, yeah. What happened? In, yeah, the, the well, Lakers. well, those yeah, yeah. those Lakers won, and now the Dodgers play Tampa. So, three of the four major North American pro sports championships in this year go to either Tampa Bay or L.A. And between 
as much as some people might hate to hear me say it, the Los Angeles Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm not going to say there's not a chance they have a clean sweep across those two. Did you, uh, by the way, did you see that Sid Hartman passed away? Do you know who Sid Hartman was? I did see, but I did yeah, not really Sid, know. Sid it. Hartman was a was a legendary figure in sports in in the in the Twin Cities in in Minneapolis. Longtime columnist. Uh, but the fascinating side of the story is that he was the person responsible for bringing the Lakers to Minneapolis. Hmm. He was the one that started that process, and uh, I had a chance to meet him years ago when he still traveled and, and covered Minnesota sports when, when they once played at the University of Illinois. Uh, Lauren Tate, who's been the longtime columnist in Champaign, introduced me to Mr. Hartman. And so 100 years old, what a, what a, hmm. what a, what a life, you know, and uh, – you know, was was a guy that continued to write for for a long, long time. Um, so anyway, sad to, sad to see him pass away. But what a what a remarkable life! And you know, one hundred years, man. Yeah. If I could sign up for that today, I'd say, yeah, <laughs> put put your name on Give the dotted line for a hundred. <laughs> Absolutely. Get me there. Yeah. Uh, so we got volleyball coming up, right? They're they're going to play at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The 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 schedule is for the middle of this week. So okay. hopefully everything goes well there. And, Home road, where are they? Uh, it's Alabama. It's at Alabama. So they're going down to T Town. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, um, gosh, yeah, then I guess that's it for them. Yeah. Until, until basketball starts up. Yeah, about here. Soccer continues going. They had a draw. That's right. Over the past uh, weekend, senior night at Walton Stadium, as uh, they're coming around, they're playing these. Tight defensive games. I watched the end of that. It was very exciting. Mizzou had a couple of chances to sneak that win away from the Bayou Bengals. They couldn't quite do it. Big game coming up on Saturday. Big opportunity for Missouri. And so we uh, we hope that uh, Tigers are up to the challenge and can find a way to win. For Matt Michaels, I'm Mike Kelly. Thanks for listening to the Inside Mizzou Athletics podcast presented by our friends at Shelter Insurance. Subscribe to it, tell a friend, and we'll see you next week. This has been Inside Mizzou Athletics with Mike Kelly. Brought to you by Shelter Insurance. Find an agent for your auto, home, and life at shelterinsurance.com. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.